0: good morning wisconsin it's wtmj now news opinions wisconsin everything you need to know in the badger state and beyond come give us your thoughts on the old national bank talk and text line at 855-616-1620 old national bank get old here's your host steve scafidi
1: And good morning, everybody. Good to be back in Wisconsin. I leave Las Vegas yesterday. Craig Council had a chance to be returning as the Brewers manager. Brandon Snyde, big-time sports guy, joining me in studio. And then I come back to phone just blowing up. Welcome home? No, that's not a welcome home. It's like, what the hell happened? That's what you get.
2: (laughs) No, I don't want that.
1: I like Craig Council. I love Craig Council. What happened, Brandon Snyde? What happened yesterday?
2: Money talks? Five years, $40 million, 40 the opportunity million to go to an organization, Steve, that will spend, has spent good money, is in a position to win. The NL Central is not very competitive. We saw that. Well, so are we in a position
1: year. to win. We were in the playoffs. We
2: are not in the position the Cubs are in to win. No matter how we want to spin this and and say, well, we have this young group of talent and we we have great players. Guess who the second highest paid player was last year on the Brewers I team? have no idea. Craig Council would fit in there now. <laughs> he would, yeah. Jesse Winker was at eight point seven five million dollars. So
1: was this a was this a? I, I put it on my show poll today. Is this a chasing the money story? Is that what it is? Or I think it's a little bit of both. And I think like,
2: look, according to Mark Antanasio, who addressed the media on Monday, said he had the offer on his table. Craig Council did to become the highest paid manager in baseball. That number was roughly about five and a half million dollars. Todd Rosiak, I believe, out of the Journal Sentinel reported that. For weeks and weeks, this offer was on the table. So I think you're looking at it for Craig Council. Five and a half, Mets offered seven, Cubs offered eight. Obviously, he took the Cubs deal. Part of it was the money, but I think Craig was looking at the bigger picture, Steve. And he's got a legacy as well that he's you know looking out for. And, and what is going to bring him into the discussion of you know top managers in all of baseball when the game finally is over? Is it in Milwaukee? As much as he wanted it to be, and I believe he truly wanted it to be in Milwaukee, but I think he saw the writing on the wall. This is, look, five out of the last six years, playoffs, division championships, two out of the last three. But not the next Could not get to that next step. And so what was holding that next step? Some will argue it's payroll. But if you're you know on the ownership side, you can only do so much, right? But then you look 90 minutes south in Chicago and – there, Unlimited payroll. There is right? No, pay, you know there is no mm-hmm. restrictions. Um, so I think Craig and and Craig has talked highly of Wrigley Field, the Cubs fans, their organization for years. If you go back and kind of listen to the things that he has spoken about when playing in Chicago, or even when they would come up here and their fans would travel, while well, he would he would mention those things. So you know if you're looking back on it, he's he's always spoken in high regards to to the Chicago organization. It's a gut punch like no other. I think this is the most betrayed Wisconsin sports fans have felt. I don't think I don't think Favre was even on this level.
1: Worse than Favre to the it's not close. Jets and then Vikings. Not close.
2: Mm. Because Favre wanted to come back. So there's, you know, I know he went back and forth. There's a little bit of that. But then he went to New York. He went away for a year. We got Aaron freaking Rodgers. That turned out well. That worked out well. We won a Super Bowl. The Vikings did not. Yeah, he went to Minnesota. He ended up get you know they had one good year and NO9 he, he gets hurt and he never really bounces back. But
1: that, that that was a year in between. All right, let's let's hear from the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers, Mark Atanasio. Uh he had a, a few things to say sure. about it. Now we haven't heard from Craig Council yet. So. No, we should next week.
2: I next week. How, much... how about this
1: week? Thanks, thanks to all the fans <laughs> in Milwaukee and Wisconsin. And he might, he might do that. He's not really a social
2: media guy, uh, but he is supposed to be introduced uh to the to the Cubs organization. Next week. But this is Mark Antanasio on his thoughts on Craig Council. It's allowed me
3: to reflect on what we have in Milwaukee as a city and, and to play baseball in. And, uh, you know, what I, what I said to the group is we've lost Craig, but Craig has lost us and our community also.
2: What does that mean exactly? He lost us and the community. I think what he means is he lost us, the organization. They're not. He's gone. Right. But he lost the community, and you saw it last night, and, I, and not you know, advocating for this, but people vandalizing his park, his baseball park there in, in Whitefish Bay. The community is going to turn it, on him. I don't think he's ever going to be able to come back to the city of Milwaukee. I would welcome him in with open arms because I love him dearly, but I don't think... The majority of fans want
1: anything to do with him. Look, I, I put it as my show poll today because I, I once I got back I realized how big a story this was because I know this station was jumping up and down about yeah. all the and, and I listened to most of the afternoon news when I got back into town. Uh, I just asked this question: What was your reaction to the news? And I gave you a few choices, and I can tell you I've done show polls for a while. We already have 344 <laughs> votes, so this thing is is really happened. Um, he's dead to me, 35.8 percent. That means yeah. like I'm done with Craig. Yeah. All right, so that one's the leader right now. Thanks for the memories, twenty nine percent. That's coming up. Just chase the money, twenty seven percent, with like thirty three comments, which I'll sample later. I, I guess I don't, I don't understand the anger. He did a lot for this franchise. He yeah. did a lot for this team and this community. Mm-hmm. The timing sucks because this is a franchise that's asking the state for, what, $600 million? So that doesn't have help. 590, I think, yeah. yeah that doesn't help. No. Um, we are at this crossroads, right? So we've been to the playoffs, what'd you say, five out of the last six five years? Five of the
2: last six. Division championships, two out of the last three.
1: One trip to the NLCS, which didn't work out. Um, a team that's never won the World Series. One of five teams left in baseball that haven't. I would say this is, this is a, a trend-down team, at least for the moment. Doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Because a lot of crazy things happen in sports, but for at this moment, at this time, this is not good news for this franchise.
2: No, no, and, and and I've called it before on Wisconsin's Morning News: Golden Age of Brewers Baseball, Steve. This was it. This was your moment. If you look back fifty years from now, you hope you have a championship or come two on, sprinkled fifty in there. years. We're, we got to do something saying, between like, we're now still and now. Celebrating then. 1982,
1: we are, which is unfortunate. Which, which is, is unfortunate. Yeah. So
2: this, you know, this to be in the playoffs. Craig Council was the. The driver behind the wheel to get us into the postseason and establish a new standard in Milwaukee. And he did it with resources. No offense to any of those players, but he did it with a lack of resources. All
1: right. If you're on the, uh, if you're not on the X, which is probably a good life choice, formerly known as Twitter, what's your thoughts? Dead to me, Craig Craig Council. Thanks for the memories or just chasing the money. What do you think on the old National Bank talking text on 855 616 1620? you want to throw in your reaction as well to the big announcement yesterday, I found out when I arrived back in Milwaukee after a few days in Las Vegas. I'll get to some Vegas stories in a little bit. I saw Bill Maher while I was out there, always entertaining. What do you think? 855-616-1620. Brandon Snide sticking around for a little bit as well.
0: We'll continue after this
1: on WTMJ Now.
0: It's WTMJ Now. CC video, Branded, Snipe, uh, Big Time Sports
1: Guy, here's work in the morning and Wisconsin Morning News with Vincent Eric. All right, so Sharon wants to jump in the conversation. Let's get her in, let's get those phone calls. Good morning, happen. Sharon. Hi, Sharon from the Northwest side. Good
4: morning. Side. Uh, my thoughts on this Craig Council going to the Cubs is that Craig is a turncoat, and I'm sure a lot of people that are, are Brewer fans and, and, and admire him are feeling the way that I am, and I'm actually not sorry to see him go if that's what he turned out to be. And when the Cubs fans come here, they take over Miller Park or American Family Fields. I mean, they 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 take up half of the seats. Which is fine, but I mean, I I don't think uh, Jesse Winker has any business getting paid that kind of money (laughs) when Craig Council wasn't offered the money, and Jesse Winker didn't turn out to be anything of what they thought he would be. All right, so you're done with Craig Council,
0: Sharon?
1: You're done with him?
4: I'm done with him, and and they have been uh, talking my family that we wouldn't be sad to see him go, but to go to the Cubs is a real big Real big deal to a lot of people. That's why. That's why I think his his field in, in Whitefish Bay was damaged. Yeah. People take it to the next level.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, hope, thanks for the call, Sharon. I, hopefully that people don't. I cause I I don't want to see that kind of no, stuff. No, you that's don't, You shouldn't be doing. I that. I mean, you should honor your local heroes, and he was a local hero for, yeah. for hero for a long time. Uh, Ray joins us from Springfield, Illinois. Hi, Ray.
5: Good morning, uh, guys. How you doing? Good.
0: Good. Um, what do you think?
5: Good. Well. Well, of course
6: he's chasing the money here. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's very – I mean, you can see the fact he was interviewing in New York and Cleveland and all of that, that Craig Council is very highly regarded, and he's a very good manager, um, a good regular season manager.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, getting to the championship series and the World Series, I'm not so sure. Um, but I have two questions for you. One is – uh, how do you th- does does all the uncertainty do you think all the uncertainty over the American family field funding does that play into this decision at all and the second question is who are some potential candidates to replace counsel no,
1: thanks for the call Ray calling from Springfield Illinois Great call. On, the, on the first one I don't think it helps I don't, also don't think it dooms that conversation no. they're, they're going to find a way to get that package done because mm-hmm. we don't want to see regardless who the manager is I don't think anybody in the state wants to see the Brewers leave on the second one um, what about the individual who got fired by the Cubs? So there is there is some names that have been thrown out there.
2: Um, Ken Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic. He had a few of them. Mine, one might shock you. you will see if this one shocks you. Don Mattingly is one.
1: Joe mean, S- former Yankee, Don Mattingly?
2: Former Yankee, uh, managed the Dodgers, yeah. managed the Marlins. I believe he's in mm-hmm. Toronto. Uh-huh. Um, how about this one? Ricky Weeks on the short list. Really? mm mm-hmm. What According to Ken Rosenthal, this is not... Brandon's ideas. This is literally according to Ken Rosenthal from the Athletic. There's a few other bench. That one doesn't Pat, do
1: anything for me. I, lo- I like Ricky Weeks as a as a yeah, former player. I but. do
2: too. I don't know. I don't think he even manages. like I, that. I don't, don't think so. You can't. And, but that's what that's what my fear is with this next search. Is are, are you going to panic? Because then it, you heard Mark. They were putting all their eggs in
1: one basket. I think he was stunned and shocked yeah. that, well, that Craig pulled the trigger. Now, again, it's 80 miles away, 85 miles away. So it's Craig can, can keep his life in, in Wisconsin and manage the Cubs. And and as you said brilliantly in the opening segment, he now has a vast payroll that he can play around with, and that mm-hmm. means better players and more more high-level players than you might ever see in Milwaukee. And, and i got to imagine...
2: Matt Arnold, in my opinion, one of the best general managers, one of the front, best front office workers throughout the league. He, he had to have had a contingency plan, I would I would imagine. I don't think he has that job without having that knowledge in, on the top of his head. And he has contacts. Obviously, he's been around. He was down there in Tampa Bay for many years. So he has guys that he can look out for as far as bringing in to manage the Brewers. Pat Murphy, though, is another name that's been floating around. He was the right-hand man for Craig Council. So you see him always in the uh, in the dugout talking to Craig in between – Pitches or plays or whatnot. Um, so he's another name that could be on the on the short list to possibly replace Craig Council. But it's it, it, it's kind of like you know I don't want to make it all crazy and, and hyperbolic, but replacing Craig Council in Milwaukee, Steve, is, is almost equivalent to like replacing what Aaron Rodgers was in Green Bay. Those are big shoes to fill.
1: Yeah, or, or... those are big shoes. He won seven hundred games here. Yeah, the, the winningest <laughs> coach of all time, manager yeah. of all time. But again, he didn't win. In the playoffs, he won a couple series, but he didn't have great mm-hmm. success. And I, I can look up his playoff record: one and nine in the last
2: ten. If that if that helps you, so he okay. hasn't been
1: good. So hasn't been brilliant in that way. But you
2: could also make the argument:
1: well, what what does he have? Let's, is, let's squeeze know. in Bob here quickly from Waukesha. Hey, Bob. Good morning and welcome home. All right, good to be back. What do you think, Craig Council, okay. gone to the Cubs? Uh, you know, I, I, this
3: is a, a personal decision. A a number of factors, I'm sure he considered, not the least of which uh, was his family. Uh, And turncoat, in the vernacular, child, (laughs) please.
1: Not a fan of that that phrase. So, what what, here, Bob? Are you a fan of the Cubs, Bob? I know you're a fan of the Bears.
2: No, I'm a I'm a White Sox fan. My mother. Oh. Died my so we're all in the same boat today, Bob. Yeah, right. You're not happy either.
1: Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently, some people thought the White Sox might get Craig. I would could, rather
2: him be. I'd rather him be there.
1: That would have been yeah maybe preferable. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Bob, calling from Waukesha. So great uh, loyal fan of the show and the station. Um, we'll take a break here. We will get a few more minutes with Brandon Snyder. Lots of texts on this as well. Craig Council departing for the Chicago Cubs. Found out when I arrived back in Milwaukee yesterday for my. Short jaunt to Las Vegas. A very fun, relaxing trip, but ready to get back into it on the show. Dan Schaefer coming up in a little bit on our on our Tuesday show here on WTMJ Now. Isaac stepping in for Charlie, who is off today. Lots of fun. Lots of serious topics as well. All that coming up after this on WTMJ Now.
0: More of WTMJ Now after this.
1: I said, are you messing with me?
0: <laughs>
3: Was that messing with me? And uh, that
1: was that. Brewers owner Mark Antonacio talking about being surprised. I think he was legitimately surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That, I don't <laughs> think, oh, think you heard it in his voice. Like, yeah, you I don't messing, think. With <laughs> I don't
1: think he saw that coming. And, and now that the, the, the search begins, mm-hmm. I mean, they got time. The season just no. They don't have a whole lot of time. No.
8: Mm-mm.
2: Well, spring Hot training stoves, season starts really soon. Hmm. Because you got to get. A vision for your team where you want to, you know, I think I think Matt Arnold probably already has that. They obviously have the young talent that they brought up. You saw a ton of them last year. You'll have more this year. But they got to get a voice in there. They got to get a direction. And they have a lot of questions. Steve, Brandon Woodruff not pitching in 2024. What's the future of Willie Adamas? What's the future of Corbin Burns? Is Devin Williams going to get paid? I mean, there is a lot of roster questions on top of the managerial one. Let's make a prediction. Is it going to be
1: an experienced manager or a someone who's never managed before?
2: I believe it's going to be an experienced manager. Mark Antanasio was asked in his press conference, makeshift press conference yesterday. Uh, he said that he is going to, he reverted to his players to ask them what they wanted. Their answer was have a guy that can continue the cultural building you know, legacy that Craig Council left behind. So they want somebody probably that's been there before, knows how to do it. Has made mistakes, has learned from them, and is somebody that with that can lead with experience uh, going forward. Because it's, again, it's going to be a young roster.
1: All right, he's Brandon Snyder here. Is work in the morning on Wisconsin Morning News, big time sports guy, former producer. Thank you, my friend. Thank you as always. And we will continue the conversation if you have a chance and you're on the X. Vote on my show poll. <laughs> was 400 votes already. You guys are are pounding that thing. And if you're not on the X, which I, as I always say, is a good life decision. You can certainly hit us up on the old National Bank Talk and Text I'm going to shift to politics after this with my friend Dan Schaefer, political writer and columnist. The recombobulation area is his uh, creation. We'll have him in studio after this on WTMJ Now. More of WTMJ Now after this. Great to be back in the, uh, the big chair here at the Avenue Studios in downtown Milwaukee on Wisconsin Avenue. I leave Vegas, it's in the 70s, and I come back and it's like 70 in in Wisconsin. So thank you to the weather folks for greeting me with that beautiful weather. Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation area is in studio, as always, on Tuesday. Great to see you as well. Good morning, Let's get that mic on. There you go. Let me turn you up a little. Okay, there we go. Um, so since we're talking about the Brewers and, and you're obviously a political writer, but you're also a Brewers fan and a sports fan, what do you think?
7: I mean, it was definitely surprising. Uh I don't know if we're having some issue with the there mic we, here. There we go. Are we back? Yeah, we're, we're good. good. All right. All Brewers. right, the, little, little gotta, <laughs> yes. gotta a little discombobulated, got to recombobulate, get a little back together I saw the sign in here. the
1: airport a couple of times, so, so I, I'm very familiar with the term. Got
7: to take your picture.
1: Now that's the new thing. I, Everybody I send there, sends it.
7: the picture of the recombobulation area to me. Here's the thing about me, though. I
1: don't like to attract attention to myself in public places, so I don't like... That makes sense. Yeah, and there, it's a lot of activity going on there, and, but people, I see the pictures they send you.
7: I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right, so Brewers. So Brewers, Craig Council. Yeah, definitely surprised to see him go across town. I wasn't totally surprised to see him see him leave, uh, but I thought if he were to leave, it would be to the Mets because of the David yes. Stern's connection, yep. the rumors that have been around for basically the whole season, uh, but I, I read a really interesting piece from Tom Verducci at Sports Illustrated last night, kind of breaking it down and talking about how you know this kind of married the two things that Council was interested in. I think he was interested in going into a bigger market, setting the new bar for – for salaries for managers in Major League Baseball and also staying in the Midwest because I think he has kids who play college baseball in the Midwest.
1: That was the easy one because he's only 80 miles south of where he is now. So. Right,
7: yeah. So, you know, I, I think it makes sense, but it sure does uh, sure does beef up the rivalry. And it, it, it certainly does not come at a great time for the Brewers. You know, they're... They were outbid on a contract to bring keep their hometown hero in in milwaukee and and meanwhile they're asking for you know five hundred and fifty million dollars uh from state and local taxpayers to to fund the stadium it's 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 not great
1: no that's that was my next question actually so does this do anything of significance to that ask it
7: can't help i mean the the There's a lot of momentum with the deal already. You know, it has passed the assembly. The governor has said he would support it. The county executive and mayor in Milwaukee will say they support it. The the deal has a lot of momentum. I think it's going to, you know, it'll come up for a vote in the state Senate. looks like sometime this month. Uh, They already had a public hearing on it. They had the fiscal estimate. It's been, you know, it's been moving forward. Uh, I know the state session, the state Senate is in session today. That bill is not going to come up today, Uh, but I think it will come up at some point this month. And I think you know, uh, there are there are some details to work out on it yet and, and some things to win over some some people. But, you know, I don't I don't really think the council news will make any difference overall to the bigger picture. It it might, you know, just give some people some pause and just take another look at it. Though,
1: Yeah, I, I think pause is the right word. Yeah. Take a take a moment to think about it. But ultimately, you don't want to lose the Milwaukee Brewers based on a managerial decision and decision to not support or fund a stadium that we all own. I think right. th- there's an easy path, not an easy path. There's a path to success here. Find a new manager. So that's, a, that's a team decision. But fund the ballpark, figure out the area around the ballpark, and let's go. Let's let's be a big-time city because that would increase the yeah. likelihoods of, of, by the way, getting a team that's representative of that investment, which I always hope for.
7: Yeah, I think, you know, there, there's some details still to work out, but I think, a, 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 you know, what was it, at least through, I don't think Craig Council was going to be the coach through 2050. <laughs> no, no by any means. so And the deal would go through 2050, so there are bigger things to work out there. I, I still think there's a lot they could improve on with that deal. It, it's not nearly as good as the one Give me an that, example. for a FISER form. Give me an example. I think you know a commitment to development around the stadium Everybody agrees is a no-brainer. Right? Everybody seems to be agree- in agreement with, on that. Uh, I think a ticket surcharge to le- ease the burden on local taxpayers and, and shift that burden to the people who would be using the facility, much the same as is the case in Pfizer form. There's a two dollar tickets surcharge charged uh, that generates uh, tens of millions of dollars for for that particular deal as well. So I think there are some some things there to to be worked out. Um, I you know I also think if they're going to ask Milwaukee taxpayers, they should be asking at least Waukesha County, maybe maybe Ozaukee, Washington. I don't know. They don't seem to don't don't seem to be part of that deal at all. This I think time. that's
1: DOA. I, yeah. I, I did see some comments from the state senators in Madison that they are. Um, they are questioning the, I would say, low price tag of, of making this a year-round facility. I think it was in mm-hmm. the twenty five to $30 million range. They're questioning that, and they're also trying to figure out, okay, so if that's the case, are we going to get enough return on our investment to, to actually make this a year-round facility?
7: Anything that we should read into that? I think it just shows that there are some skepticism from certain aspects of this deal. I saw that comment. I think it was from State Senator John Jagler, uh, Republican state senator. So I think, you know, I think this is an interesting deal because it doesn't cut across traditional political lines. I think you're going to have Republicans and Democrats both voting in favor and voting against this deal. Uh, And right now, the latest reporting I've seen from the wonky journal Sentinel and elsewhere has has signaled that. Not all Republican state senators are on board with this. They obviously have uh, huge majorities in the state senate, but would not be able to pass it with Republican votes alone. So I think they're going to need some Democrats to vote for this. And since so, so we're going to break, ultimately, I think this deal will get done. Your thoughts? I think it'll get done. I think it will be. I think it will be a much closer vote in the Senate than it was in the Assembly. That's for sure.
1: I agree with that as well. All right, Dan Schaefer, your work is is almost legendary because you're. How many times have you won the Milwaukee Plus Club Award, or all the other awards? It's like 16, 17, 18, something like that.
7: Oh, a few times, Steve. yes. A few oh, times. look at
1: you being humble there, <laughs> Dan Schaefer. The Recombobulation Area. How do folks find out about it?
7: You can find me at the Recombobulation Area dot News, the Recombobulation Area on Substack, and you can find me on Twitter. At Dan R. Schaefer.
1: All right. The, you used the term big news before. So was it yesterday? Was it a year away from the big presidential election or right right around this time? I think it was,
7: it was Sunday a Sunday. year out. Yeah.
1: Okay. So let's talk about that from the perspective of both Democrats, some, some really lousy numbers for Joe Biden in swing states, that New York Times poll that came out, and for the former president's who uh, didn't go all Colonel Jessup on the stand yesterday, if you're a fan of A Few Good Men. But he was a little crazy and got chastised a couple times by the judge, as did his attorneys. We'll dig into politics, national politics, with my
0: guest Dan Schaefer after this on WTMJ Now. More of WTMJ Now after this. WTMJ Now. Dan Schaefer, the recombination
1: area, you can find him there, and his uh, writing is on points, obviously from the left side of the political aisle. And, and I, I do think that Dan, um, he does his homework, and, and some of his, his uh, pieces are very well-documented, well-researched, which I respect, which is why you're sitting in that chair. So let's talk about this a year out from the presidential
7: election. I know. Right? It's Um, already it's already a year away. We're already going to be voting. The campaign's going to get ratcheted up. It's you know, we had uh, efforts from both political parties in Wisconsin taking a look at uh, one year away and all that. It's it's, we're going to get into it. Wisconsin is going to be one of the five or six states that is going to help decide the presidential election next year.
1: Isn't that kind of amazing that there, there really is just five or six states to kind of decide every presidential election recently? And this seems to be another one of those cases. So let's start with the Democrats. Joe Biden. New York Times polling suggests that he is losing currently. Again, polling suggests that, not votes, in five of the six swing states. Wisconsin being the outlier, which I guess doesn't surprise me, given uh, what happened last time. So, what do you what do you think about the polling? The numbers suggest that Biden may be in trouble.
7: What do you think? Well, I think I think some of that is to be expected. We're a very polarized country, and like you said, we're five or six states are going to. Uh, essentially, decide the next election. But I think I think it's interesting that these polls like this, like the one from The New York Times that you mentioned, are already jumping to the general election. You know, typically, at this point in the political calendar, we would be looking at a competitive partisan primary where, you know, we're still about two months out from the Iowa caucuses, and yet we're already jumping to the general election. I guess that's uh, are they conceding the race in the GOP primary to? Donald Trump now, or is the fact that he has such a gargantuan lead in all of these different places, is that signaling the fact that this primary is over?
1: I, I don't think so, because we obviously saw the decision by the uh, Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds, to endorse Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. They're trying to nudge that race a little bit. There's, there's a lot, lots of concern from Republicans like me who say, you can you can win, Donald Trump can win the nomination, I don't see a path to him winning the presidency. And, and again, anybody could be wrong. We frequently are. A question from the old National Bank talking text line for you. Do you think that either president, you think President Biden at the last minute decides not to run a second time or he's directed to do so? That's a bigger question. And if so, what should the party do? Who would be their candidate or who should their candidate be?
7: Yeah, I think, again, first off, these what if type scenarios are coming up because there's so little interest in the primary. You mentioned <laughs> Ron DeSantis. He's just been on a nothing but a downward trend. And I think, you know, not as much has been made of that. But I do think there are some interesting candidates to consider if Biden, if any, you know, if there was a health issue, if there have anything came up with the Biden campaign. I think there are some some interesting candidates who are laying the groundwork for some some runs long term in the future. And I think I think it would be in Democratic Party's best interest in the long term. To get away from the coasts a little bit, in a way, and and maybe so focus the Gavin on somebody, and... get away from the Gavin Newsom's or that you know, even the Cory Booker's or something like that. You know, get away from the coasts a little bit. There's been a little bit too much uh, coastal Democrats, and I think we've got some good Midwestern Democrats uh, who could be running. Give me a as couple well. names, Pritz, so Pritzker, from
1: Pritzker from Illinois. He's got the money.
7: Pritzker was one that I was going to mention. The candidate that I think would be top of my list would be Gretchen Whitmer yeah, from Michigan. I was going to say that 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 makes a lot of sense. Very yeah.
1: popular. You think? But she's indicated she's happy in her current job. Although they all say that.
7: Right. But she, you know, she won re-election by a double-digit margin in uh, a state that went for Trump less than a decade ago. Uh, she has, you know, she's very popular in her state, you know, has kind of married a lot of, um, you know, a type of policy where it's a lot of focus on blue-collar jobs and a lot of focus on expanding rights, whether it's reproductive rights, LGBT rights, voting rights, things like that. Uh, I think that could be a winning message for Democrats uh, uh, at the ballot as in 2024 as far and, and as, onward. As
1: far as the polling goes, though, I mean, yeah. again, it's polling. Right. And I, I believe most of it, and I, I put some stock in it, but it's so early, and, and we are a year out from any you know any real presidential election, obviously. So any concerns that Joe Biden is, sees that, or people that are running the Democratic Party, we have Ben Wickler in Wisconsin, any concern that they see that as a weakness now and start pushing, for lack of a better term, the president away from running for yeah, I mean, second time.
7: Democrats are always going to worry about a poll, <laughs> we right? We're always going to worry about a poll uh, that that might not have the the sunniest results for us. But I, I just think, uh, you know, I I think he's got a a good record to run on. He's done a good job as president. He and I think he if he faces Donald Trump again, I think he has an opportunity to expand the map. I think there are more, he he has an opportunity to bring more voters into the fold who were maybe not with Trump last time, whether it's because of, you know, January 6th stuff that happened after the election or whether it's relating to abortion rights, which has obviously been a big issue. You know, that's a big issue in, in races that are happening around the country today. In, In Ohio, there's a, there's a ballot measure on abortion rights. You know, that's been a big issue in the Kentucky gubernatorial race, uh, state legislative races in Virginia. So I think, some of those results that we will see today when people actually vote are perhaps going to be more indicative of what the trend line is going to be for 2024 than some of these polls.
1: Dan Schaefer, my guest for the Recombobulation Area, we'll take a break here. After the break, the former president had a heated exchange yesterday in a courtroom, but he's the leading candidate for the Republican nomination. What does that all mean? What will happen in the next year? Well, if you can answer that question, you should have your own radio show. WTMJ Now is the show. We'll return after this.
0: More of WTMJ Now after this. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Thanks for tuning in on this Tuesday edition. Good to be back in the
1: big chair on the WTMJ Now sets. We're in the Avenue Studios here on beautiful Wisconsin Avenue. Always fun. I love coming downtown. It's one of the thrills of doing this job because I never worked downtown. I always was a remote worker from most of my career to be able to come downtown in Milwaukee, celebrate the city, something I never take for granted. And That's it's a great city.
7: I've worked downtown in a number of different places when I was at, you know, Business Milwaukee Business Journal and Milwaukee Magazine, what have you. The Third Street Market Hall thing is just an absolute game changer for being downtown. And it's, now with Kohl's open right next door, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be interesting.
1: Have they opened their doors cuz I was gone. Is it now open? I
7: think it is now officially so open. Literally I'm not, you know, following the retail trends, uh, I, <laughs> could go much, the, I think it is open, yeah. I
1: could go out the door here and walk into Kohl's. And I'm not a huge shopper, so that for me that's not a big thing, but it it's an exciting development for this part of downtown.
7: It's, I love it. It's it's good to see more positive momentum downtown. That's certainly happening here.
1: All right, so I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the the, uh, the legal trials of Donald Trump. He's he's got himself in a in a lot of crazy situations. He acted up on the stand yesterday in four hours of testimony. Um, the judge chastised him, chastised his lawyers, who then you know, reacted the way his lawyers would react. They're sort of puppets of Donald Trump. So let's just look at it this way, and then we can move on to some other Donald Trump stuff. Is, is the legal import of all of this more important than the actual policy, actions of the former president you know what i'm saying this part is what happened in the past mm-hmm. i would say that what happens from now until the primary start and then beyond that till the convention is the more important piece do you agree or disagree
7: in terms of how the legal how, proceedings how, unfold no, how and... the
1: voters perceive the candidate because right now yeah. all this legal stuff is is beginning He has not felt one bit of
7: pain about
1: any of that. His numbers are fantastic.
7: Yeah, and I think for a lot of people, it's still happening in the abstract, and we just don't. There's been so much legal noise over Trump over the years. And we're not legal experts, right? And I so I think that is that is part of it. It's just like hard to understand what these charges are and what he's facing because it it has been. There's just been this constant legal issues that he's been facing, uh, you know, uh, over the years, and so it just seems like you know the more these. Uh, come to the surface; the the more it's going to be a discussion point. You have to be, you're going to be asking Trump about it, asking prominent Republicans, asking supporters about it. What this all means for his chances? You know, I think once that comes into focus, you know, if assuming he is the general election candidate. And which right now there's no reason to believe otherwise. I think that is certainly going to come into focus once we hit Iowa, once we hit New Hampshire, Super Tuesday, get into those primaries. Those are the questions the voters are going to be asking uh, because that will be in the news. It will be and People will be reacting to it in real time.
1: So the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, has now endorsed Ron DeSantis, did some appearances with him. She's done actually a lot of appearances, angering former President Donald Trump, who still, at least from the polling that I saw, and that none of it's, well, it's not fair, it's fairly recent, um, still trailing DeSantis is still trailing Donald Trump and may in some cases be trailing Nikki Haley.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you're not someone who's gonna probably vote for Donald Trump, Nikki Haley around DeSantis, but from your perspective as a political observer and writer, how do you see that shaking out? And could that race and some of the other early races
7: change the narrative for Republicans? I don't th- I don't think You know, DeSantis earlier, uh, about a month ago, put out a statement or or, or there was a news story saying that like he was going all in on Iowa. Yes. All in on Iowa. He wasn't polling particularly well in New Hampshire, putting more of those resources towards Iowa. And then about two weeks later, Iowa's gold standard poll from the Des Moines Register came out and showed that DeSantis had again fallen in the polls in Iowa and was either even with Haley or or Haley had taken a little bit uh, ahead of him. I, I just think that has been the story of this primary so far, has been Desantis's precipitous drop. Uh, you know, you look back before he launched the campaign, he was looked at— he heralded as this, you know, conservative governor from a right-trending state getting things done that conservatives wanted uh, but once he got into the spotlight he absolutely fell apart like this is people have made the comparisons to Scott Walker well Scott Walker was never polling at, you know, 30-40% in the primary he was at like 10 to 15% and then fell apart DeSantis has gone from being the one potential challenger who has been held up for years as the, you know, kind of not Trump alternative uh, in the Republican Party. And he has absolutely fallen flat. And I think he's going to continue to do so because he's just done such a terrible job on the campaign trail.
1: Yeah. And and I think ultimately, if he's going to put all his stock in Iowa, he's going to have to be brave enough and courageous enough to pull back if that doesn't work. Because I know he's also had some money issues, although that may be fixed by some some successes stacked early in the primaries. So, let me ask this question. If, If DeSantis falters and he decides to pull out of this race, Nikki Haley, somebody I support, wrote her in the last election, Nikki Haley has been a candidate that some Republicans see as an alternative to Trump. If DeSantis pulls out, if Christie leaves, if some of the other, if Ramaswamy leaves, could she be a viable candidate head to head against Donald Trump in some of
7: these states as a primary candidate? I don't think so. Because Why? I think the MAGA base is so dug in on Trump that it's just there's just not going to be that much interest in any other candidate, regardless if it would be you know, regardless of who it would be. And I think Nikki Haley, I think she is probably the best candidate, the best not Trump candidate, the best candidate who could win uh, a, a general election. But I just don't think she's going to win over the base of the Republican Party. I just don't think that's where the base is, the type of type of neocon type of Republican that she is. I just don't think that's going to win over the more MAGA base. That, she that actually has, has really
1: strong conservative credentials. She's a former governor, so you have that leadership example. I think if, if voters realize at some point, point, this is a big if, that the Trump trials, whatever that turns out to be, or if it happens and there's a lot of questions about whether it will will or not happen before the election or the convention if he's convicted that reality could change voters minds at least that's my
7: outlook on what might happen it's interesting though cuz if you look at the polls over the trend it was like when the legal trouble really spiked up for trump is when his approval started going or his yeah. uh his his polling numbers in the within the primary started going up too so uh, you know, you, you, I think for the more moderate independent voters, they're going to be turned off by, by the Trump legal troubles. But for the base, they're just with Trump no matter what. And I think that's I think that's what we're going to see as this is this uh, unfolds.
1: I see more and more writing national level, local level in states across this country that say there's this growing number of Republicans who may publicly still say they endorse Trump. But when it gets down to the actual casting of votes, may say, you know what? I'm not hitching my wagon to this guy because he's not going to win the general election. And that at that moment, a switch is flipped, and they go, "You know what? I'm not going to vote for him." That's I think that's the hope of that big group that I represent in the in the middle of the Republican Party. To say this is not the reality that we should be pursuing.
7: I think there's another problem at the end of that too, because I think <laughs> if if that group, let's say that that group all coalesces around Nikki Haley, is Donald Trump going to concede? Donald Trump's never going to concede. He's never going to concede. Yeah. So so, what happens then? Does he does he bow out of the race if Nikki Haley were to win? No, or does he do something like run third party? He, he,
1: who knows with who Donald knows? Trump? Yeah, let me ask you. This will be real quick. Um, if if it's if somehow it's Haley versus Biden, can she beat him? Sure, that's what I say. Dan Schaefer, how do how do folks find your great writing recombination area?
7: And I will. I will say. I don't think she. I don't necessarily think she'd be the favorite. I think Joe Biden could still win re-election. But you can find my work at the dot news, area on Substack at Dan R Schaefer on Twitter.
1: Always great to see you. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna flip your time and date next week because you're gonna, you're doing some other work. But um, I lo- always look forward to the conversation.
7: Absolutely happy to be here, Steve.
0: All right, news is next on WTMJ. It's WTMJ now. News opinions Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. And good morning, everybody. Good to be back in the big chair
1: after a uh, little jaunt to Las Vegas. Las Vegas, get ready for the big F1 race, Grand Prix down the strip. All the, the, the Uber drivers, the taxi cab drivers, all mad as hell and not happy, and we, we experienced a little bit of that. We went to uh, a couple steakhouses, and we got stuck in traffic, and whew, lots going on. But um, I am always thrilled to be in Las Vegas, I'm always thrilled to come home as well. But yesterday, I come back to the Craig Council news, like the, a bomb exploded. I'm listening to WTMJ and, and uh, great coverage. I listened to uh, Wisconsin Afternoon News, and they had all the... Major characters, including David Kaplan from Chicago, one of our teammates. And I'll just say this, and I know it's a hot topic because my show poll is just blowing up. But if you're, if you're on the X and you want to vote on the show poll, you can find it at the 620 WTMJ X page or my page at WTMJ. Steve, give me a follow if you could. And I, I just basically asked a simple question. What's your reaction to this story? And I gave you a few choices. I have 406 votes already, so well done, all of you. And if you're not on the X, again, great life choice. You can vote on the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620. He's dead to me. 33% of you say that. Thanks for the memories, 30%. Just chasing the money, 28%. I'll put it this way. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Craig Council because we did a, a bit at the open of the show. I don't hate Craig Council. I don't like the decision. And it does speak to the you know the, the issue of small-town markets, right? We're not one of the big players in Major League Baseball. We've done pretty well, five out of the last six in the playoffs. We haven't done great in the playoffs. And I think it's fair to say to Craig Council or to baseball fans that, yeah, he was, what, one in nine in his last ten playoff games? And he was going to get paid $8 million. Did the Cubs overpay? I don't know. We'll see what happens down there. They're going to spend money on players. I can tell you that. But I'm not mad at Craig Council. I like Craig Council. He's a good local guy. He's put his time in. He's somebody that, if you if you if you're a workers' rights person, has said to Major League Baseball, "Hey, you're paying the players all this money. How about a little something something for the managers?" And he's now demonstrated that a manager is worth at least eight million dollars a year for the next. Five years at $40 million bucks, And his point was, basically, there's college coaches making more than managers in Major League Baseball. And I agree with him on that point. And if you're going to pay somebody, I have zero problem with managers getting paid. Certainly one of the caliber of Craig council. But show me something in Chicago. We'll see. So thanks to all the folks who are voting on the uh, both the X poll and the old National Bank talking text line. So a couple observations from Las Vegas. One, still too many people with strollers and kids. Stay out of Vegas. Find go to Disney World Land Universal. No way in hell you should be walking a stroller through the MGM Grand at eleven o'clock at night, which is when I got out of the Bill Marshall, which I'll talk about in a second, with your kids in tow or in stroller. That's bad parenting. No, don't do it. And there's a, for some reason, there's a, there's a market difference between that hotel, MGM Grand, which is one of the biggest hotels, and the hotel I stayed at, Aria, which I never saw a stroller. Someone explain to me the difference. Parents don't do it. Now, I, I went to see Bill Maher at MGM Grand on Saturday night. Brilliant show. Quick story. We were talking about politics with Dan Schaefer before the uh, top of the hour news there. So he's he starts the show with about forty five minutes to an hour on politics, and he's blowing up Donald Trump. And a couple that was sitting right in front of us, we had we had decent seats, not great seats, but all the seats in the small theater. If you have ever been the MGM Grand, it was the David Copperfield Theater. Typically, magic. And I would I would ask I don't know this, but a thousand seats, probably something like that, maybe a little more. And we're about halfway up, and a couple. When he starts going after Trump, they start booing him, and then about a minute later, they storm out. Now, if they would have stuck around for 10 minutes, Bill Maher also blows up the woke in this country, you know, the folks who want to change all of our language to a different word, you know, homeless is now a bad word, even though... It describes the situation perfectly. Hungry is a bad word, even though it describes the situation perfectly. All this this manufacturing of the language to somehow be less oppressive. He goes after everybody, which is what I like and one of the reasons we decided, my wife and I decided to see him. He's pushing us to think differently about politicians. And the brilliance of Bill Maher, one of the reasons I wanted to see him in Vegas was He understands what I understand, and I hope other people do. The path that we're on, whether it's the far left or the far right, is not the path you want to be on. The craziness of the Trump wing of the Republican Party, the craziness of the ultra-woke, Israel is now the enemy, that crowd, he blows all that up. And that's a good thing. When you think about politics now, one of the reasons I love doing this show is We have to start thinking in a new way. we got to remanufacture or reconstruct our brains to get out of this weird mindset that's been instilled in our gray matter over the last 30 or 40 years by squawking heads on radio who simply filled our minds with nonsense, made the C word compromise a bad thing, literally have resulted in these two extremes, left and right, when most of us are in the middle somewhere, Doesn't mean you can't be conservative and still have common sense and logic be your guides. Doesn't mean you can't be a Democrat and still understand that some of the things that are represented in your party are absolutely insane, like the woke class. That's constructive. And that's one of the reasons we decided to see Bill Maher. He was brilliant, as always. You can see his work on HBO, real time, one of the hosts. He brings in actual, real live guests. Just had Ron DeSantis on the show recently. So... That was my Vegas experience. Came back with a little more money than I left with. Always a good thing, because that wasn't the case last time. The weather was beautiful, as was the weather here when I got back to Milwaukee. So well done to all you weather folks, you ultra-serious weather folks. It's okay to be 70 in in, uh, November, I think. All right, I'm going to ask a simple question after the break here. We started this conversation with Dan Schaefer, political columnist, writer, in the 9 o'clock hour. Are you concerned, if you're a Democrat, I know you, I know. I have Democrats who listen, are you concerned about Joe Biden in the next presidential election? Right now, he's the guy. Are you concerned about him? Age, performance, policy, kind of pulling back on his defense of Israel, asking sort of for a ceasefire, which would not work because Hamas is not interested in, in a ceasefire, I've Made this point over and over again. And anybody who hitches their wagon to Hamas is hitching their wagon to terrorists who slaughter babies and kill innocent people. What do you think? Are you worried about Joe Biden? 855-616-1620. The old National Bank talking text on a little political conversation. We're going to talk some uh, economy, financial stuff, investing with Dave Spano at 1030-ish. On the program. I moved it from Monday to Tuesday so I could talk to Dave. Join the conversation 855 616 1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. I am ready to go on this Tuesday. A fun week of shows. Thanks for uh, coming along on the trip.
0: We'll continue the conversation after this on WTMJ Now. More of WTMJ Now after this. It's WTMJ Now. Steve with you on this Tuesday, asking the Biden question.
1: Joe Biden. I'm not going to ask if he's fit for service. He's the president of the United States. He was voted in. From what I can tell, he's doing the job. He's certainly not perfect. I disagree with him on his pullback, asking for a ceasefire in the Middle East. I think his energy policy has been horrific. I think his decision to pull out, the way he pulled out of Afghanistan was horrific. And I could go on and on and on. But I'm really interested in uh, in what people who are planning or not planning to vote for Joe Biden, if you're a Democrat. What you think about that, we'll start with Rome calling from downtown. Hey, Rome, welcome to the show, as always.
5: Yes, good morning, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I, I, I am worried about Joe Biden uh, in several respects. Uh, I'm worried about the propagation of uh, Joe Biden with all the propaganda that has thrown his way. Uh, he, You know, he never can get a win. We have a lot of hateration out there for Joe Biden. However, you know, I... I uh, know that you know his age has become a factor, but that's because you know people like Clay Travis and those guys. That's all they do is throw you know his age up. So my point is, is he's not the perfect candidate, but he's better than the alternative. And we really need to look closely at this next election because we are in a, 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 in for a hell of a hurt if, uh, in fact, uh, Joe Biden uh, or another person uh, doesn't become the president. Let me ask Without you this:
1: problems. Let me ask you this, Rome. Are you confident that? If Joe Biden's a candidate, and I think all indications are he will be, he seems to indicate that he wants to run again. And uh, we'll see what the the primary does. But I don't see with with RFK kind of moving, RFK Jr. moving away from the uh, parties to an independent run, I don't know that that would be a viable uh, alternative for Joe Biden. So so looking at Joe Biden today, looking at his policies, if he runs head-to-head against former President Donald Trump, does he beat him?
5: I would would hope so, because if he doesn't, we're going to lose our democracy. And I hope that the people listening to this radio station that are your loyal listeners uh, will go go out into uh, our our country and let people know the danger of another Trump presidency. When you look in terms of how he's acting and behaving in these uh, trials that he's in, and when you talk about all of the retribution and things that this man is talking about, we're going to be in a hell of a situation if, in fact, Donald Trump is president ever again.
1: Thanks for the call. Rome, calling from the airport. I'll say this. I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden. Didn't vote for him before. And I'm now also not voting for Donald Trump. So that's my dilemma as I sit here today. And I've talked about this extensively on this show. I wrote a Nikki Haley last time. I I still, and I brought this up with Dan Schaefer earlier, think she's a viable alternative for Republicans. It could be Ron DeSantis as well. I think there's a lot of, us Republicans who would vote for Ron DeSantis if he was the candidate and not Donald Trump. But it depends what you want. If you're a Republican, if you're, if you're happy with Trump winning the nomination and then just handing over the general, the presidential election to Joe Biden, because I think that's what would happen. I'm not sure what you gain by that process other than to validate your choices, but then hand over the government, the running of the government, the running of the country to Joe Biden for another four years. The age thing is an interesting one because Donald Trump is not that much younger. And while he appears to be fairly healthy, although I've seen some recent rallies where he looks excessively tired and slurs his speech. Now, one thing you have to be careful with, and we're going to spend some time talking about this later in the show, is many of these these clips, these audio clips and sometimes video that you see are adapted by groups who are not necessarily um, motivated to give you exactly the... Perfect image or sound of what happened. So be careful with that. I would often caution that. I'm going to take another break here. Still time to get in. Joe Biden, whether it's policy, whether it's age, whatever your reasoning is, if you're a Democrat, are you worried about that vote? And do you think, ultimately, if it is Biden-Trump, Biden wins because the New York Times polling suggests that in six big swing states, The outlier being the state of Wisconsin, where Biden has a two-point lead. Donald Trump has opened up some pretty significant margins, which stuns me as someone who doesn't support Donald Trump as a Republican. But that's what this polling suggests. Again, no votes cast yet. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. You can join the conversation after this on WTMJ Now.
0: WTMJ Now.
1: Asking the Joe Biden question, if you are a Democrat, or even if you're a Republican, what do you think about that race coming up next year, year away, roughly? Deb continues the conversation for West Isles. Hi, Deb. Welcome to the show. Good morning.
8: Hi. What do you think? Um, I guess I just, I guess I just question. Um, people need to stop and think for a minute. First and foremost, we're Americans, United States citizens. We value our freedom. We live in a free world compared to everybody else, you know, except London and all those other places. But at the end of the day, what do you value most? Your freedom, your, your American rights, to know that you don't have to wake up every morning and go, Oh Jesus, what did Trump do now to, you know, blow our world standing apart. If Joe Biden were the Donald Trump of the Democratic Party? I would vote Republican if he was not someone like Donald Trump. Uh, like Donald Trump.
1: So if Joe I, Biden acted I mean, like Donald Trump, you would actually vote for the other person.
8: If it wasn't Donald Trump, right? Yeah, it's an
1: alternative to Trump I mean, in the Republican that Party. Makes
8: sense. Yeah, I I, I yeah, love I mean, the I love the idea because now you go ahead. If you value your freedom and value being an American, look at what Trump has done. Do you want a fraud? Do you want a liar? Do you want someone who's, you know, a convict or whatever else, you know, versus an older person like Joe Biden? I I have jumped ship. I do go from, you know, party to party, mostly Democrat. I mean, almost always. But if, if Joe Biden was acting like Donald Trump, I mean i moved out of the country because there was no
1: other choice. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the call, Deb. And I, I love Deb's passion. And here's the thing I really love about what Deb just said. Willingness to say, you know what, there is a line that, that a candidate or, or an elected official will cross that I will say, oh, enough is enough. And to her point, if, if Joe Biden was the Democratic version of Donald Trump, you know, writing crazed emails or, or social media posts. I should say social media posts because I don't think he emails much. If at all, if he was doing that, or just came out with insane ideas at rallies, you know the lock him up thing, which Bill Maher talks about talked about this in Vegas on Saturday. This idea that everybody now, if they're, if they're your opponent, whether that's a political opponent or someone who disagrees with you, should be locked up, thrown away, blah blah blah, outraged, ostracized, fired. Because they have a different opinion. It seems to be to, to um the caller's point the challenge for democracy here. What are we gonna do with this stuff? Going to take a break. After the break, we're gonna be joined by our friend Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Plenty to talk about. Markets ticking up a bit. We'll ask Dave what that means after this on WTMJ.
0: WTMJ now. Money, 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 money. I know what you're saying. It's Tuesday. Why is Dave Spano here? Because I wasn't here yesterday, and I
1: said, I got to talk to Dave Spano. I, I love our conversations. And when I don't talk to him, I have to find him on Saturdays, which is also a great choice. Host of Money Talk heard right here on Saturday mornings on WTMJ. Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Happy Tuesday, Dave.
9: Yeah, welcome back from Sin City. I'm uh, I'm interested. Uh, I missed some of your show this morning, but they're setting <gasps> up for the F1 race. That had to have been yeah. It's that had to been complicated. It's, it's a little controversial
1: because I I spent a lot of time in taxis, and 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 uh, those folks are not happy because getting around, especially on the south end of the strip, is very complicated. But yeah, they're full full go, and they've also got a a, a threat of a culinary workers' strike, which is a big deal in Vegas because. A lot of Vegas is about eating now, so yeah, a lot of concern there. But the the city is always fun to fun to go to. Yeah, and it's
9: gonna be it's gonna be amazing to have that at least to see that uh, those race cars get going through the city. So absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I come back the, the Dow on a
1: what six day winning streak? Is that what I'm hearing?
9: Yeah, it was it would definitely rallied, and in fact, uh, last week. The S and P was up five point nine percent, and the Nasdaq up six point six percent, and those are the biggest uh, the biggest gains since November of twenty twenty two. So it definitely was a good week for both the major indices, and it was really driven, Steve by a sharp drop in treasury yields and and why did that happen because the fed met last week and signaled to some extent that they're done with the rate raising cycle and then 10-year treasury turned around and went down here as we're looking at it right now 4.58 percent so it's come down significantly and when interest rates come down that's good for bonds and stocks so why now why was that decision made to do that now well, the, you know the the Fed is a complicated organization, but they really looked at a lot of their their benchmarks and it looks like they have slowed down inflation you'll recall that the middle of last year cpi ticked as high as nine percent and so they're at a run rate of around three percent it's it's not at their two percent target but it's it's certainly headed in the right direction what they don't want to do steve is over tighten in other words continue with the super high interest rates because you know they went up from zero to five and a half percent in a short amount of time that is, you know, that's constrictive, and so it does it slow down the economy so much that it pushes it into a recession because, you know, these effects, higher interest rates, have a lagging effect. It's not immediate. So, you know, we're still gonna feel this into 2024, and so they're gonna watch the data to see if they've tightened enough. He used, kept using the term, Powell kept using the term, where we're significantly restrictive. So do they continue to, to raise rates? We'll have to see. But he certainly signaled that they may be at the end of the rate hiking cycle.
1: So this one came from a, a couple of listener questions. I'm kind of combining them and, and, and paraphrasing. But the, the the conflict in the Middle East, we, we don't know where that's going. We, we certainly see the back and forth between the, the terrorists and, and Hamas. Uh, in Gaza, the the war on on Israel, the carried out on October seventh, and now they are returning fire. So, without that being in any form of a settled situation, as close as you ever get to that in the Middle East, how can we ever have certainty when that stuff impacts our markets and our? Economies. How can we yeah, have that certainty?
9: Yeah, investing—you're not going to have certainty. And you know, we we talked to a couple of managers in in New York yesterday, and there's no question that geopolitical risk puts the act, the allocation of capital, at risk. And so they say, you know, what are you going to do with it? You know, are you more careful or cautious going forward? That is the case. But you know, the market has crawled up this wall of worry for 100 years. I mean, you can go back all the way to World War II and look at major events and, and pick a spot from World War II to the Cuban Missile Crisis, right, right through assassination of presidents. And the market moves forward, but there's no question that this is uneasy. And it's not just of obviously in Israel. There's certainly you know Ukraine and Russia, and of course China continues to look at Taiwan. So there is geopolitical unrest around the world. So you have to be careful of how you invest your money and where you invest your money.
1: Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, great resource. Annexwealth.com. Uh, this one from Peter on the old National Bank talking text line. What about those revised job reports trending down? For several months now, is that right?
9: Yeah, they have, and that that is concerning because interest rates are high and jobs are starting. You know, the j- jobless rate is going up. But remember, this is this is part of what the Fed is doing. This is not an accident. They wanted to slow down the economy, and part of slowing down the economy is slowing wage growth, which is a big part of the inflation number. So, if they're slowing down the jobs and wage growth, they are doing what they intended to to do and so they are trying to slow it down there is a likelihood some likelihood some percentage that they trip and they cause a recession and it's not a soft landing at all but a recession. So that does exist. That possibility exists. And the Fed has been known uh, to over-tighten and push us into a, a, a precarious situation. So we're watching that. That He is right about that. Wage growth is going down. Participation rate just came out last week in the payroll report. That went down. And, of course, the number of job openings decreased as well. All of those is, you know, they look at the Labor Department, and that's one of their key indicators if, if they decide to raise rates going, for, going into the future or not.
1: I know we looked at estate planning and wills last month. What's the focus this month? What for those of us who are looking at the future, financial planning, maybe retirements, investments?
9: Yeah, I think when you when you head to the end of the year, you really have to start talking about tax planning and being tax smart because you know throughout the year you might have, have you might have some gains in your portfolio that you might want to consider. Uh, booking or uh, or conversely you have some stuff that has just been a dog in your portfolio and, and you want to take those losses and offset so tax planning is a big part as you go into the end of the year making sure that you funded uh, your 401k plan your IRAs and so on and so forth you know doing the tax planning that that needs to be done is really is is what you need to do now because sometimes people conflate tax planning, with tax preparation. Tax compliance is what we all have to do unless you want to go to the Hooskow. You have to file your tax returns, right? (laughs) So you have to do that, but that's tax compliance. Tax planning is right about now when you get into that fourth quarter, did you do the things that you can to mitigate your tax liability in 2023 before you get to 2024?
1: No better place to start than AnnexWealth.com. Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex Wealth. Management, always great to talk to you.
9: All right, thanks Steve. Glad to have you
1: back. All Thank right, you. I'm glad to be back. Dave Spano, always a great conversation. We do it every Monday typically at 10:30, but we did it on Tuesday today cuz I'm back on Tuesday. All right, after the break, this did not shock me. I saw the story. I was at the airport yesterday in Vegas and I'm looking for story ideas for for the uh, for the show, and I saw this. Apparently, Americans don't like anything new. One not surprised Two, Why is that? We'll dig into that one after this on WTMJ. More
0: of WTMJ Now after this. Oh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for finding this show, WTMJ
1: Now. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Somebody asked, where can I listen to the podcast? Well, go to WTMJ.com and you can find WTMJ Now. You can even go find the old show. All the old shows, all the interviews, all the uh, features. We still do all of that. We break it down for you. Interviews, fun stuff. All available at WTMJ.com or Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Just punch in WTMJ now, and it'll take you to the podcast page and pick the dates, and you can hear all of that back. So thanks to all of you who are weighing in, whether that's on the phone or on the text line, the old National Bank talk text line, was is wide open at 855-616-1620. So here's my question. A couple questions, actually. Why is it that we're so resistant to change in this state and in this country? We seem to be stuck in a rut, whether that's politics, whether that's the choice of where we go out to dinner, the drinks we like, and I know there's been this saying for a long time, my, my sister-in-law always tells me this, I like what I like, but how do you know you won't like something different if you don't try those other things? That's my question always. And we seem to have this fear. So I saw this story and one of my favorite websites. I've said this before. StudyFinds.org. StudyFinds.org. Here's the headline. Is life getting stale? Average American hasn't tried anything new in months. They asked 2,000 adults. How open they were to trying things. 56% say so they like what they, what they like, the phrase I just used, while only 38% prefer to venture out of their comfort zone. To those 38%, I say, bravo, well done. You are experiencing it, your life. You're unclenching your fists, whether that's political anger, life anger, anger at your neighbor, anger at whatever. Unclench those fists. Celebrate life. Try something different. Go to a new restaurant. How do restaurant? how are new restaurants going to survive if no one goes to them? Now I get it. We love old fashions in the States. Perhaps too much. And even, even me, who's I could be a creature of habit. For a long time I drank Brandy Manhattan's. One brandy because I'm from Wisconsin. One in Manhattan because it's not weakened by adding soda or anything else to it. Just it's just booze. Basically brandy and sweet vermouth. Some people put some bitters on there. I wouldn't, but some people do. And I've changed and I've discovered the Aperol Spritz because I was in Italy and that's one of their popular drinks. And I had a couple in Vegas. They were delicious. Why do you think we are so resistant to change, especially in this state? We love, we are creatures of habits. Whether that's the Friday fish fry, even when it's not Lent. How we order it, a almost insane fear of trying anything that we've never had before, whether that's oysters or clams, <laughs> a steak or a cut of steak different than the one you always get. I had a beautiful steak. I think it was the Golden Steer. Is that the, the most famous steak? I, was, I sat in the Elvis booth for Pete's sakes. Elvis sat in the same booth I sat in. The Marilyn Monroe booth was right next to it. I don't know if those two met or not. Have no idea. But I was thrilled to be eating a twenty-four ounce porterhouse. Now hold your, hold your ammo. I only ate half of it. That's all I could eat because twenty-four ounces is a lot of steak. It was delicious. I think it was a golden steer. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. In a strip mall, basically, surrounded by things that weren't there all those years ago when Elvis was eating dinner in that booth that I was sitting. In. But I. You know, I like to try different things. I'm not typically a fan of, uh, what is this, twice-baked potato, but I had some of that. I'm a baked potato guy. I, I ventured out. I had something different. It was delicious. I had oysters last time I was in Vegas. So why don't we have open minds when it comes to that stuff? And that's just food. Politics. There's tons of us walking around who, the only investment they make in an election is to look to see if there's an R or a D. After the name, that's it. That's their their total investment in research towards an election. They would have no idea what the policy of a candidate is, especially at the state level. No idea. They walk in. Oh, R. Mm, good. Oh, D. Sure. Now here's the thing. Here's why this matters. Those who are willing to try different things. They're happier. Enjoy traveling more. People who are less risk-tolerant, creatures of habits, are more introverted. Only focus on things they've tried that they didn't like. Ooh, I had that once. Didn't like it. 855-616-1620. The old National Bank talking text line. What's the matter with us? Why did we... We become so fearful of change or new things. If you like what you like, how do you know you won't like it if you never tried it? That's my challenge. That's my ask. I see the phone lines heating up. Producer Isaac filling in for Producer Charlie today. Gimme, bring it. I want to hear what you have to say about it. Why are we so resistant to change and unwilling to take chances? I think we can be better. We'll take your calls and your texts after this on WTMJ Now.
0: More of WTMJ Now after this. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Oh, anybody who's a music fan
1: knows Green Day. Come to American Family Field next year. I am geeked, excited, thrilled that we get to hand out a pair of tickets every day this week. Their upcoming album, Saviors, features the single The American Dream is Killing Me. A lot of people could say that. They're going to be joined, get this, the Smashing Pumpkins, Rancid, Linda Lindas, August 24, 2024. And we, WTMJ now are giving away a pair of tickets to that concert all this week. Caller number... 8 to 855-616-1620. You will be eligible to win a pair of tickets today. Three more chances to win. Uh, don't forget, 11 o'clock hour, we'll be joined by Martin Moore, my technology guy. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. At Radio City, used to join me, I think it was Tuesdays at 1130. Sounds something like that. Uh, he'll be here at 1108. And then Christian Snyder, author columnist, will join us on the phone, the Tri-County Contracting Hotline, talk some politics as well. But right now, I ask you the question, why are we so afraid? I'm trying new things. Gianni wants to go all science on us. Hi, Gianni. Hello. Hey, <laughs> hey, listen, I found down the
3: um, evolutionary biological road, but um, <laughs> I, I, I will. Um, I think, you know, in in the United States, I just got back from the Philippine Islands uh, for five weeks, and uh, things are a mess there, but things are really, really good here. And why break precedent when things are so good? Um, We have the electricity is flowing, the uh, oil and gas is flowing, the heat is on, um, the food, the grocery stores are filled with food. Mm why, the electricity is not so. Why would you want to change when you when you take a step beyond the, uh, you know, the multiple hectares um, that, that you know our ancestors did? There's a danger, but there's no danger in not changing.
1: All right. So um, let it, me it, let me answer that. Let me answer that. So I think one of the reasons look look at it from a uh, production perspective. The change element can bring innovation maybe better efficiency that's just one thing two activating some gray cells gray matter in your brain that maybe you're not utilizing now or haven't used utilized at all and thinking about things in a different way maybe that makes your life experience your brain work a little better how about that'm
3: I'm, sure, I'm sure it does but you see we don't think beyond the second point we're only <laughs> we're living now. And the present, and when 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 electricity is coming in, when technology is coming in, when the internet works, when the heat is on, uh, when we can buy gas, uh, we, you know, we're in our comfort zone. All right. So there's no reason. But I, I get I get your argument that uh, we have to. Hey, we got a rover on Mars. Um, thank God for thinking outside the box.
0: Absolutely.
1: Thanks for the call, Johnny. Let's get Mike from Illinois in here quickly. Hi, Mike. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I am good. Happy to be back from Vegas. Had a great time, but I'm glad to be back in the chair. What do you think? Why are we so afraid of change, Mike?
3: So I think there certainly is something to that, uh, wanting that comfort level. But um, I definitely agree with what you said is that, I mean, and I suppose it's by your personality, but if I am not trying new things um, and looking, trying to look at things differently, um, I, it gets stale. And I don't think, I think there is a danger in not doing that because eventually You know, progress will stop if you if you're not going to like try to change something. And um, like I said, different personalities
6: like different things. But I, for one, um, like trying different places to go to eat on vacation. Um, I'm a little less likely to uh, try different things with politics um, because I tend to know what you know, at
5: least the usual points are for both parties. Maybe
1: that's the last frontier, Mike. Maybe that's the last frontier where people will actually start thinking about, and thanks for the call, Mike, thinking about that decision they make when they go into the uh, election polling booth or place. Uh, John, quickly from Burlington, the last word. Are we resistant to change? What's going on, John?
7: Hey,
3: Steve, how goes it? Good, good. Okay, so mine is about in Wisconsin, particulars money. Why would I want to order a dinner uh, to try something new when if I don't like it, I can't send it back because you ordered? And uh, mm. opposed to having uh, craft beer samples that they'll give you a sample, or even even with politics, or you say, here's this thing with the stadium, There's the people here. I, I why do I want to kick in money for something that's gonna? that's going to benefit the state Or I don't want to pay 10% sales tax. It, it seems in Wisconsin, it's been that way for a long time. Everybody's set in their ways. And a lot of times it bases on money, my
1: opinion. you know. It's comfortable, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's comfortable as long as you don't have to pay anything extra. <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks for the call, John. Calling from Maybe it's simple as that. It's, it's, it's a comfort level thing. I just say, man, you got to experience stuff. Stretch it a little bit. We're going to stretch a little bit with a guy who used to join me from Radio City. Now it's going to be his first shot here in the Avenue Studios. Martin Moore talking about AI, technology, what he's been up to. All of that after the news, which is next on WTMJ.
0: It's WTMJ Now. News. Opinions. Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. uh
1: Happy Tuesday, everybody. Alright, so this this is kind of a trip back to the old Radio City days. My pal Martin Moore sitting in studio with me. So if you're watching on the stream, and he's got his iPhone 15 Pro, right? That's good. Get your mic. we got to get his mic on there, Isaac. There you. There, there
10: you. we go. Now it's hot.
1: All right. So. You used to join, was was it every Tuesday at 11.30?
10: Every Tuesday uh, at 11. We did an hour. Okay. And then I used to do nights too. Yes,
1: yeah, so you've done a few nights programs. And then COVID hit, and then...
10: And then everything changed. Yeah. And, and, now- then, and then I tried my best to uh, do the show from what I can only describe as a cardboard box with, <laughs> that I would stick <laughs> right. my head in with, with like pillows, and so it would sound great. Yeah. And, but uh, believe it or not, that didn't work out for a radio show. And so you still got a podcast. Yeah, still have the said no one ever podcast, which you've been a guest on. And I need to get you back on. Yeah, which is
1: a blast. But really what I always loved about our conversations is you are a guy that loves the new stuff. I was just talking about our resistance as a culture and as a state to new things. Mm-hmm. Some of us, you're not one of those people. No, you like to embrace that. You you always get the newest, shiniest iPhone for the for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Self-driving cars scare
10: me. Yeah. AI scares what scares me. you
1: about it? what? What scares you about
10: it? Uh, the whole part where my hands
1: aren't on the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about it. Artificial intelligence. Something sure. I want to start spending more time on, on this show. Mm,
10: big topic these days.
1: The move to robots. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk says at some point robots will take over the world and all of us will not be workers. We'll just be living lives. First of all, what in the hell are we going to be doing? You have with have you ever seen
10: the movie WALL-E? Yes. Boy, I hope it's not like that. Or iRobot. <laughs> yeah. or or not that one. I would prefer Wally.
1: Or Ex Machina. That's a great movie. That That's is a, a film. fantastic film. That's All right. Film. So, as somebody who loves technology like you do, sure. What's your other than the self-driving thing, which you've already pontificated sure. on, <laughs> which I'm I'm actually more cool with it than you are. Yeah. Because I think I like that that idea that we're not going to have crazy people who think they're NASCAR race drive sure. race car drivers on the freeway. But I'll let that go artificial intelligence are you embracing it or are you cautiously looking at it and saying pump the brakes let's see what happens
10: well i think the first thing we need to do is is different is break down ai because ai are you a whiskey guy you drink whiskey or bourbon yeah, or anything? on occasion you know how whiskey sort of a blanket term for scotch and bourbon and tennessee whiskey and you know that ai is a general term um that i think gets mixed up in the conversation yes, there, yes. there's different versions of ai there's you know there's like Chatbots, like when you go on Amazon, and you know you obviously know you're not talking to human. There's a very there's guardrails for for AI like that, uh, and it doesn't deviate from what it's programmed to do and to say and what it can access. Then there's things like ChatGPT, which I use a lot for work um, and for a lot of like copy. How do you use it at work? You work for Cost Corp. Yes, yes. So uh, a lot of times, one of the the best things, if you're someone who is a content creator or, or you're building a website or something like that, ChatGPT GPT has been great for, I need to fit something in 100 characters, and I've spent an hour, and it's 105, and I, I don't know what else I can do to change it. You can just say, take this sentence and rewrite it in 92, 99 characters, and it'll do it. And it's just like, oh, it's amazing. It, and
1: it's taking over the creation of... Term papers, the old term that was in place when I went to school. Oh, yeah. And, and and content creation. Oh, for sure. That's concerning to me as someone who is a live content creator, mm-hmm. often on the spots in my in my gray matter, in my brain, when someone could just send it off and duplicate that, including doing a podcast or a radio show mm-hmm. where it's not a live person doing it. Oh, absolutely. I mean,
10: there, there's a nuance to... Um dialogue and, 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 and what you say. And in my opinion, currently what we have now with like ChatGPT and a lot of these uh, AI programs that, that can create copy and stuff for you, it's pulling from the internet and it's basically plagiarizing things from here and there and, and rewriting it. Um, and that's where you're getting issues with like the writer strike and all that stuff is because... Um, There's just something to having real human beings come up with something through their experience, through their, you know, through their own life events versus a computer just surfing the Internet and then kind of jumbling a bunch of things together and then creating, you know, creating what is obviously not something written by a real human being.
1: This is sort of a broad overreach, but there is a concern among some older folks Mm. that the younger generations like work less want more fun time, and if you believe Elon Musk, who says at some point robots will do all the work and we'll just be sitting there consuming our days with entertainment and fun, sure. you think that's a realistic expectation or something that could happen, or is that just Elon Musk being Elon Musk? I mean,
10: in our lifetime, no, uh, but I do think if it's something that we aren't careful about, We'll let it happen. I mean, we're human beings, I've always said, are the smartest, dumbest species on planet Earth. <laughs> we, we invented the atomic bomb, we invented the Internet, and, and for all the, all the inventions and things that we've done that have made our lives better, uh, those things have also been sort of the downfalls of a lot of our, our civilizations. And so AI will be as useful or detrimental to the human race as we
1: allow it to be. And so we are still the masters of our domain. yeah, if, but 100 percent. But there's some questions uh, whether or not AI could actually supersede that mastering of our own domain. Oh, absolutely.
10: And, you know, it it comes down to what is our end goal? If we're just creating AI and advancing AI just for the sake of doing it, um, that's not a good enough reason to continue with it. We need to have a purpose so that we make sure that we stay within those. Should we take a pause? I uh, I think we need to just take a step back, look at it. Because uh, even,
1: even Elon Musk has said that.
10: Oh, absolutely. There needs to be rules and regulations put into place right now, for sure, 100%. All right, I want
1: to want to focus on a positive mm. results of AI after the break. You and I both know this story, but we're going to talk about that after the break. Martin Moore, my guest. Technology, artificial intelligence, nothing artificial about Martin's intelligence. We'll dip into that gray matter, that knowledge after this on WTMJ Now. More
0: of WTMJ Now, after this. It's WTMJ Now. If
1: you don't recognize that Beatles song, Martin Moore with me in studio here. That is their new, newly released, how can that happen? Well, A.I., one of the main reasons that is their new now and then single, which I think millions of people have already downloaded oh, yeah. and listened to. Came out I heard it in ago. Vegas, and I, as a Beatles fan, I absolutely love this song.
10: I think it's fantastic. I love it. Uh, Day Tripper was the first song I ever learned how to play on guitar. Been a Beatles fan my whole life. And yeah. so, so one, I never thought we'd ever get another song.
1: No, so one of the things that came out of AI, artificial intelligence, and technology is the brilliance. Creative mind of Peter Jackson. Yes, when he was putting the Let It Be documentary docu series together, that ten hour extravaganza, which I loved, oh, it's so good. Which was 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 made. It was capable of making that because of artificial intelligence and technology. Use some of that same stuff to take some old recordings of John Lennon that Yoko Ono had on a cassette recorder, him dinking around a piano with his vocals. The last time they tried to do this when George Harrison was still alive, they didn't have the technology to separate the the piano and the vocals. While Peter Jackson was able to recreate the sound separately, they added in, of course, Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney to create the single. That's a a tremendous... Example of what ai could do
10: it, it was spectacular how it's able to do that because john lennon's voice was it was buried in uh, an old audio mix yes. uh you know the piano didn't really sound the best and they they tried to to tweak the eq back and i think it was like 2003 or something and just just couldn't get it to sound good and bring his voice out and then yeah like you said peter jackson he had some software that was able to just completely separate the voice and the piano track and then boom there it was Crystal clear, clear as day. They did use AI too to clean up uh, auto tune, a little bit of Lennon's voice and, and, you know, but in the end, that's one of the great examples of, of what AI can do. Now, the opposite, the antithesis of that is some of the auto generated. If you've ever heard, there's a a track, a Jay-Z track, a Kanye track. Um, They've done some Beatles ones um, where it's a completely AI generated version of them. And it's indistinguishable from.
1: So that's a creative risk because the yes. individuals who produce that content—voice or, in some cases, their their face yes. or, or their acting—they are concerned, legitimately so. And this is one of the big issues in the in the artist strike, uh, acting strike, is that once you have those images, once you have their voice, you can create anything. Mm-hmm for the rest of eternity, and they're not getting compensated for that. And that is still a stumbling point in the current negotiations.
10: Well, they could have the—you could pass on, and they could have the Steve Scafidi show for the rest of eternity, and your family could not get any rights yeah. Or that. The, the biggest issue is it's not even so much the, the, the money thing. It, it's— you, when you don't, when you're not, when you don't have, uh, give people permission to, you have something out there that's saying things for you that you might not otherwise say, um, that might look like you, and it's a huge, huge, huge problem because you don't have any control over that. Because obviously you're dead, <laughs> and even if you're alive, uh, you know there's people that are take, they're making Jay Z tracks, they're making Kanye tracks, and they put it on YouTube, gets millions of listens, they get a ton of ad rev, and by the time the record label gets it pulled down. Too late, they've already got the ad rev and, and so you can do a lot of damage to record labels, to individuals. You can make a lot of money at it by hacking the system. And so that's where rules and regulations are really gonna play in effect. And like you said, that's where the writer strike started coming into play. Yeah,
1: and and, and from the perspective of the billionaire guys, the geniuses who have developed some of the early technologies, you know, the the, the, the Zuckerbergs and, you know, Elon Musk of the world who we all trust yeah, with 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 our house keys <laughs> I mean and passwords. <laughs> correctly so they are they are advising caution yes don't let it, the technology outpace your ability to control that technology yes and you and i've talked about this before extensively when you used to be on the show social media these deep fake videos mm. these fake videos that, that look like oh my god that's tom cruise mm-hmm. that's not tom cruise no and people believe it they do human believe beings it. are gullible
10: <laughs> they are And every time there's a hurricane, and they show a picture of that shark swimming in the mall,
1: everyone's like, "What?" It's like, "Oh my god!" It's been like 15 years, and you still believe that? So when you think about social media, that to me is is one of these. You know, we started this half hour talking about the risk. This is one of the risks here. You are putting words, not just in the mouth, but in the the image Mm -hmm. of a celebrity or even a non-celebrity. You know, they are now deep faking videos of teens Mm -hmm. putting their face on the bodies of young women. Not that teen, and then sending it out there—that's a real risk. Or exes,
10: yes. Uh, th- th- there's an infinite amount of damage that it can do, and and there needs to be checks and balances with it because it is—it's a—it's a very very risky. It's no different than when Photoshop first came out. Um, I mean that that was that was a problem. We still have issues with Photoshop. That, and that's just like compared to what AI can do. That that that's basic. That's child's play. That's caveman yeah. stuff. I mean, now we have deep fakes and we have auto. You know, um, if you ever watched the new um, the uh, Obi Wan Kenobi series, that wasn't James Earl Jones's voice. That was a completely AI generated James Earl Jones for Darth Vader. And so,
1: <laughs> Martin Moore joining us in the studio, sort of talking about artificial intelligence and technology. So, someone as a who is a content creator like you, mm. where are you at on the on the spectrum of? I embrace it, but I, you know, I, I, I pump the brakes. I, I, I'm just going to go all in. Where are you at? It, it,
10: for me, it's like the internet. It's the, the 49 51 rule, 51% of AI right now, at least the way I use it and where I think it's going to be in my lifetime will probably be fine and it'll be helpful. It'll create a lot of new jobs. It'll kill a lot of jobs. Uh, but it's that 49% that I worry about, <laughs> you know, same thing with the internet. It's internet has been a great place for people to start YouTube careers or a podcast or uh, be a writer or a gamer or whatever it is. But th- there's so many negative things that happen on and then subsequently off the internet from the internet that it makes you wonder, I- is it worth it?
1: <laughs> I got, I got a bunch of, of texts uh, on the old national bank talking text line asking the same sort of a question. Um, and that's the creative piece. Yeah. If you're using artificial intelligence, which sort of takes different bits and pieces, mm-hmm. bits and bytes of all the things they've seen, you've done previously, or they've they can gather. Which it does. Do you lose the the element of complete total creativity? Yeah,
10: absolutely. The human beings, machines, and human beings aren't all that different when it comes to. Um, content creation and an original thought. All of our thoughts as human beings is, and what we create, whether it's a piece of art or a song or a TV show or this radio show, that all comes from from life experience um, and, and whether we want to admit it or not, we, we are copying and tweaking and making things that we've experienced or been influenced by our own. The AI does the same thing you know it, it goes through and it picks things out but what the hard thing ai can't do that a human being can do is, is differentiate between plagiarism and original <laughs> right. original thought and creation and that that's what's going to be the, the tricky part but that's luckily we'll all be dead by then so it won't really matter
1: martin moore we're going to keep it around for one more second because i want to ask you about social media you're active i'm active where the future is i'm off of facebook now well done Yes, and I, I congratulate you. I'm congratulating myself. Of mine. Yeah, I'm patting myself on the back, but I'm still on the X or Twitter, as it's formerly known. We'll get Martin's take on that and more. You're listening, of course, to WTMJ now. More of WTMJ now after this. Spending some time with uh, my old buddy Martin Moore, my new buddy Martin Moore, because he's going to join me every other week on Tuesdays, and I look forward to the conversation. Uh, and one of the things I want to touch on before you get out of here is social media because we are both active. You're like the one of the Milwaukee influencers, I think that I always point to when people say, "Who should I follow on 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 the X?" Sure, you're one of the people I point to. I appreciate that because you talk about sports and culture Everything. and technology. So what what has got you worked up right now? On I'm on a the,
10: charcuterie board of <laughs> of topics. I when, love a good <laughs> charcuterie board.
1: Who oh. doesn't? <laughs> right. <laughs> so what's got you worked up on social media right now? What do you? What's your? I know you, the iPhone 15. You were talking about that.
10: Oh yeah. Uh, I think the direction of social media. I'm really not a big fan of uh, the this new paid social media, the paid to play, right, right. which you know was started with Twitter. Did you
1: pay for the Twitter thing?
10: I do, but only because for me, the if you pay for Twitter, like if you have the verification thing, there's this cool little. Are you sure you really want to send this tweet button? Right. Uh, there's also an edit it's like feature, a 30 right? second yeah that and like a 30 second timer so like when you hit post it like this little timer goes down and then you can undo it and go back. That that right there is worth the 8 bucks as someone who's a horrible speller uh, and, <laughs> The edit and, feature would be something I would it, pay it it for. It is it's really nice. And then bookmarks too for work I use it a lot um when I find people that post, you know, uh, cost photos or something like that. I save all that. And so what I don't like is is that it silences people who don't pay for it. And you know now meta with Facebook and Instagram, I think it's like fifteen bucks a month. you can pay for that. i don't I don't like it for me, that's not not that social media is free speech because it's not protected. But if we're pretending that it is, I don't like the pay to play thing. it it really it really bugs me. Somebody asked what, what your Twitter handle is at Martin Moore, Jr. or just put in Martin Moore. I'll be the first one that pops up.
1: yeah, because typically you're you're pretty popular in, in the, in the, and and if you don't circles. know what I look like,
10: uh, drop me a tweet or a comment and let me know if I look like what you thought in your head because I always find that fascinating when I hear someone on the radio or podcast I'm like what do they look like and I'd love to know if people are disappointed or
1: <laughs> <laughs> often the voice and the face are a big mismatch right. I, just trust me I've had that conversation many times before we get out of here are you optimistic that social media however you want to you know whatever your Instagram Facebook X is, is moving in a upward better direction or the other direction.
10: Oh boy, that's a good question. I know, that's why I asked. That. Um, you know, I'm not very optimistic in for what I just previously stated for the pay-to-play thing. Uh I think that's uh, that's become a real problem. The algorithm has become a real problem. How would you problem. fix it? How would you fix it? I'd get rid of the algorithm for one. So, I did this whole thing um I'm a big liberal. I don't I do care. Everybody knows that. Um, but I did this thing where um, I was on Facebook, and I just interacted with tons of conservative content. And it took about eight seconds for my YouTube, for all of my social media to flip and then feed me what I was searching for. It's the same thing. Go on Instagram and search for, like, a cat or, like, right. shuffle dancing. Right. It, it takes a minute, and your feed's filled with it. I, the algorithm is a thing that I don't like, and it's getting smarter and better uh, with AI. Uh, and I think that traps us in echo chambers and I don't like it and I think for that reason I'm not very optimistic for social media. All
1: but right. hopefully I'm wrong. Still liberal. Interesting. Ish. Oh, softening, weakening a position. I'll, I'll, I'll def- work on you. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely in the middle. Fantastic <laughs> to see you again. Yes, thank you. Every two weeks mm-hmm. and could be more often than that. Martin hey. Moore talking about technology, culture, Deer all the fun for it. stuff. Deer yes, for it. great to see you, my friend. After the break, author, columnist, a content creator extraordinaire especially on the Saturday Night Live series. who's now He's watching every episode from the beginning. I think he's in like season 10 now. Christian Snyder will join us after the break right here on WTMJ Now. Oh, is that because the council going to the Cubs? Is that why we're playing some Chicago? 25 or 6 to 4. All right, joining me on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline, author, columnist, expert on Saturday Night Live. He's... Working his way through every episode from day one to year 50-something, Christian Snyder joins us. Hi, Christian.
6: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: All right, so I, we always put together a short list of things we want to talk about, but I, I know you're a big Brewers fan, and I, I teased it there with the, uh, the Chicago. What does Christian Snyder think about the, the Craig Council developments moving south of the border to manage the Cubs?
6: When I first saw that, I thought I had to check and see if it was April 1st, like one of these <laughs> yeah, right? stories that you hear about that's totally fake or like whether whether the Onion did it. But no, evidently, it's, it's true. Um, typically, there's a rule among managers and coaches and other things that you don't really go after a job that's already occupied. And the Cubs' job was occupied, so nobody really thought of that as a possibility. But obviously... Craig Council had no qualms about going after a job that already had a manager. So uh, good for him. He's going to make a, a whole lot of money.
1: What does it mean for the Brewers? I, I asked this question earlier. I, I mean, people are, and we've all been waiting since '82, the last time they won a the World Series, the only time they're in a the World Series, for a championship. Brewers, one of five teams that have never won a World Series. What does it mean for the Brewers organization to lose a manager like Craig Council?
6: Okay, so here's the one thing that we know about sports: managers, coaches, etc. It's really hard to be a great manager without the talent on your team, and it's sometimes fairly easy to be a great manager uh, when you do have plenty of talent. And I think uh, David Stearns and Arnold and the people who have been running the Brewers have amazingly put a ton of talent out on the field. So I think I think the Brewers are are, are pretty. Pretty good on the talent front. Uh they just need to find somebody that that can, you know, uh steer this thing in the right direction. I mean, you look at uh uh a guy like the uh San Antonio Spurs coach, uh Greg Popovich, mm-hmm. like everybody thinks he's the great you know, he's won five championships, greatest coach of all time. Uh and then Tim Duncan and Manu nobly retire and he has like five, six losing seasons in a row. Okay. It takes talent, and I think the Brewers have talent. And as as long as I think they, the front office keeps uh, stacking talent, uh, you know, if you keep bringing up Corbin Burns and and Woodruff and Peralta and these guys, I think they'll be just fine. But you got to find the right guy.
1: And I like Craig Council, but I'm also I, I can hold a grudge. And if the if the Cubs are managed by Craig Council, which they will be, and the Brewers have a new manager, which they will have, I would love to see the Brewers be. Above the Cubs in the uh, the standings, that would make me happy just from a revenge perspective, I guess.
6: Oh, absolutely. I think, I think I was I was I wasn't any more nervous in sports than the day that Brett Favre came back as a Viking to play at Lambeau. Right. Um. I was just I just remember being so like just feeling like I was going to explode with anger, and then of course I think he won, <laughs> which yes. which wasn't any good. But uh, yeah. Just those uh, those stories, people leaving Wisconsin just out of spite. Uh, they're they're getting old. So thank God for Giannis for for sticking around.
1: And thanks, thank God for the championship which we got three years ago because that uh, is, is at least fresh in our minds because the Packers have been. Ooh, what about thirteen years since their last one? All right, Christian Schneider, take a, we'll take a break. I have a couple ads here, and then I want to ask you about all the 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 Trump trials and some of the drama. I know you love write about politics, talk about politics. Christian Snyder, our guest on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline. More with Christian after this on WTMJ Now.
0: More of WTMJ Now after this. WTMJ Now. Continue our conversation with Christian
1: Snyder, author, his latest book, Anti-Knowledge, available where you buy books. Also see his work at National Review Online, the Celebrated political columnist, also the, one of the co-hosts of a brilliant podcast, 50 Years of SNL. What season are you on now currently?
6: We are on season 10, which, yes, is the, the Billy Crystal, Martin Short year that they brought in kind of all the ringers. Uh, to, the, to, the big to talent. The show. yep.
1: Yeah, showed up. Yep, just and, for one year. And how far are you in? Because that, that seems like, I don't even remember that year, but that seems like that was a, a kind of a the show reborn
6: yeah, it was 1984, 1985, um, and it's kind of interesting because I'm remembering a lot of stuff from my childhood from that year. So it's uh, you know it's pretty cool that way too.
1: And I was moving on to my post college life at that time, but always <laughs> always a big fan of SNL. So you love to write about politics. You're very good at it. And and from the conservative perspective, as a conservative, you've said before, I've said before, not fans of Donald Trump. What do you make of some of his? in court antics from yesterday where the judge is trying to get him to stop making politically, uh, political rally speeches. Not, he's not answering the questions. He just goes off into his campaign speak. What do you make of all this?
5: So you've
6: heard of Carl Sandburg, clearly. Yes. Yep. um, former, uh, Milwaukee journal reporter as a youngster, as I, as I recall, mm-hmm. um, He has a quote that says, if the facts are against you, argue the law. If the law is against you, argue the facts. If the law and the facts are against you, pound the table and yell like hell. (laughs) That's it. And Donald Donald Trump is in the pounding the table and yelling like hell stage of his trial. You know, this is the one in New York where he could lose control. He could, first of all, end up paying a a ton of money uh, for committing fraud by uh, uh, inflating the – value of his properties and committing fraud, the judge has already said he's, he's committed fraud. They've, he's decided that. It's just a question now of, how, of what the penalty is going to be, whether he has to pay $250 million in fines or if he's going to be uh, prohibited from uh, directing his companies at all. And those are the things that are actually the most important to him. I mean he's got his he's got his other criminal trials coming up. I think he feels like he can skate on those, but this is the one that he cares about the most because it's his money first of all, it's the repu- it's his reputation. it's the trump name and if he tries to go into this election and a court has already said he's such a fraud that he can't even run his own his own companies in the state of New York, then that takes away you know. His bread and butter—that—that—that's his meal ticket right there. And if if he's just le- left with the impression that you know he, he's just a serial fraudster, then you know like, that could do some damage.
1: Somebody smarter than me said this on TV over the weekend, and I didn't really think about this. But if you are if you lose the ability to control your companies and the wealth associated with those companies, even the assets, could that have real impact on his ability to finance what in whatever way he finances his campaign on his own? And we could argue about what that number is or that percent is. Could that have a real impact on his ability to run for president?
6: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how much he actually spent on his own campaign because he still does a ton of, of fundraising. He still, you know, soaks grandmas for their five dollar uh, checks every now and then. But uh, yeah, so he wouldn't be able to spend money on his own campaign. But the other thing is too, you know, he won because of his reputation as, you know, a tough boss. A good negotiator and all this stuff because mostly because of his his role on tv on the apprentice but when that's all taken taken from him and he's exposed as a business fraud that he didn't actually have any of this money and he, he's actually not a, a ruthless boss and he's a terrible negotiator he just he's lies about things then that uh that could do him some real damage
1: the uh, latest numbers for Biden, New York Times poll suggests in the swing states that matter and, and often decide elections, numbers don't look good. I mean, it's it's obviously early, a year out from the election. What's your takeaway from those numbers?
6: Yeah, boy, it's not uh, it's not good for Joe Biden. I mean, Democrats behind the scenes, of course, are saying we probably need somebody different, but they can't actually say that because Biden's going to end up being the nominee, and you can't make it look like you're you're trying to undercut him, but Boy, I mean, I, I went to a speech a, a couple of weeks ago that Paul Ryan said the first first party to replace their current nominee well, with somebody else or their 2020, 2020 nominee with somebody else is going to win. Really, and I think that's, I think that's the case. Hmm. Um, if, if the Democrats were to replace him Biden with you know Gretchen Whitmer or you know somebody else, I think they would walk to the presidency over Donald Trump who, who may be in prison at that point. Um, and I think if Republicans were to say swap in Nikki Haley or maybe even Ron DeSantis or somebody uh, in place of Trump, then then they would walk right over uh, over Joe Biden. So who
1: has who has more staying power? I know that uh, Ron DeSantis just got the endorsement of Kim Reynolds from Iowa, the governor. Um, he's he's kind of put all his chips in on the, on that state. Nikki Haley has seen an impressive kind of slow good trend line to a active candidate, a popular candidate among the alternatives to Trump. What do you see from those two? Uh, either one of these, DeSantis or Haley, if something happens that maybe derails Trump, who emerges from those two?
6: I think the I think the map favors Haley. Uh, she has just now pulled even with DeSantis in Iowa. Okay, so fine. They're fighting it out for number two in Iowa. I think she's pretty well ahead in new hampshire which would be the next one and then her home state of south carolina i think she's gonna she's gonna win uh, over desantis uh, fairly easily the you know the, the bad part is that they're both 30 points behind trump in all of those states so you know something's gonna have to happen to trump or everybody's gonna have to get get out of the race and back a single candidate i mean you know Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson and Bergam—they're not—they're not pulling very many uh, percentages in terms of votes, but they're sucking away resources. They're sucking away uh, media time. Uh, all those guys got to get out. Tim Scott—they got to get out. Get behind one candidate because that's the only way you're going to beat Trump.
1: We've got a third Republican candidate debate this. I think it's Wednesday night. There's still what six or seven candidates, right?
6: yeah and they all they all need to get out i think only five have uh actually qualified, qualified for the debate cuz the the debate the, the qualifiers get tighter and tighter you said uh, haley has has steadily gone up I, she actually kind of shot up since the the debate started because the Milwaukee she's actually been yeah she's she's been really good on the debate stage uh people like seeing her yell at <laughs> uh, like a, a twerp, like Vivek Ramaswamy. So uh, I think people see, seem to now see her as somebody who can take charge. And I think that's why she's she's getting a bump.
1: Do you think anyone will drop out after this next one? Or are we going to just do a, a, another, maybe they tick one off. I don't know how many debates are scheduled, but it just seems like we're doing it too slow from a Republican perspective. For me.
6: We are doing it way too slow. And as I mentioned, uh, I, I was actually on on Friday and mentioned Nikki Haley needs to start cutting some deals with some people. Uh, You know, if I get if I win the presidency, you get this uh, ambassadorship or, you know, you get this job in my administration. She needs to start promising some stuff to some people to get out of the race uh, because we're doing 2016 all over again where everybody stays in too long, divides up uh, the vote. And then Trump, you know, who only gets a third of the vote for a long time. Ends up with the nomination because everybody else splits everything else up. So uh, that's what's got to happen.
0: What do you think? Th- and we
1: got to let you go here in a second. But what do you think? Trump is basically doing the same thing. Is he doing the same thing he did in 2016? Basically, is that is that the plan?
6: Yeah, pretty much. He's got uh, he's got his core group of uh, uh, followers, voters. Uh, which are about a third of the GOP. Although I guess it, uh, maybe it's it's probably more now. But he's just going to steamroll on through. And I mean, it, it's just so amazing that every new legal conflict he gets involved in actually strength strengthens his his uh, positioning in the party. I don't know how you beat how you beat that.
1: I but, still think uh, a conviction changes all of that. Maybe I'm just hoping more than. I'm looking at reality. I don't
6: reality. know. He got 91 charges. What what more do you need than that? Yeah. But well, still, you got to convict him on those charges.
1: Started. I guess would be the way to you Man. can change the reality. I, who knows? Trying to predict the future with Donald Trump is is uh, right. exercising futility.
6: When gets, then when he gets convicted, it's like it was an unjust conviction, and he's a political prisoner and all that kind of stuff.
1: So he's, he's not going to go away easily because that's not in his <laughs> uh, DNA. Christian Stire, always worth the time. His uh, SNL podcast. How can folks find it?
6: Uh, you can go to wasn't that special dot com wasn't that special.com or you can go to uh, Twitter X it's uh 50 years of SNL.
1: Yeah. And then you're on season 10, which is the, uh, when the, all the big talent shows up and I look forward to listening and reading all of that. Thanks as always. Christian Sider, author, columnist, expert on a lot of things. Always fun to talk to you. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll take a break here. See what Jeff Wagner's guest host, the one, the only Tracy Johnson is going to talk about. That's next here on WTMJ Now. More of WTMJ Now after this.